Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. If you're a first-timer, welcome aboard. And if you are, go look into the extensive archives. We've had some great interviews over the first five and a half years. Lots of stuff there. In today's show, I've got a first-timer to the show, a good friend who I got to know a little bit while we were covering the Texans over the last few years. We always had good conversations on game day out at NRG Stadium. Let me bring in Chris Fernandez, who edits and publishes the El Dorado News. And for those who may not know, Chris, tell people what that is. What's the El Dorado News? Yes, thank you. Uh, Basically, uh, El Dorado News came from, uh, I guess, a long life uh, dream of having my own publication. And, you know, uh, some of the things that most kids want to get to do is to play sports and be in sports and be an athlete. And sometimes you don't you don't quite get there and life gets in the way and there's things that you don't get to do. So for me, Elder Art News gave me a vehicle in which I was able to cover sports. I, I started, I'm going to be honest and start telling you that uh, when I first started uh, in 2006, I've been covering Houston sports, professional sports for the last 14 years. And I've made everything and everything so far. And I started covering like, like most, most folks when they start uh, being a sportscaster or going into what is sports? Uh, I started covering via the internet. I'd read a story, rewrite the story, post it on my website. And I only had dreams, Bob, only dreams of hopefully one day being at NRG or Minute Maid. Or, and I only had dreams of all these things. And well, Bob, according to phrase, been there, done that. I couldn't be any happier. I'm in my 14th year of the Rotter News. I've also been the publisher and editor for the college newspaper at uh, U of H and HCC in 2010, and publisher of Eldorado News. It's a, it's a uh, bilingual newspaper in the county of Fort Bend. Lots of great stuff, man. That's good. And and you and I, and we, we're always talking Texans, and I can't wait to get your thoughts on the offseason. But the story this week is the Rockets. They've let go four assistant coaches. They begged Bezdelic to come back a few months ago, then fire him. They've publicly said Mike D'Antoni has to earn a job after next year. I mean, yeah, they didn't have to give him an extension, but Tillman and Daryl Morey have basically said to the coaching staff, hey, where's the bus? Because we're all throwing you guys under it, Chris. I mean, this is, this <laughs> right. is, uh, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Did you get the moves that they're, they're, they're making here and, and what they're doing with the coaching staff? I have to feel it and, and, and believe that it's, it's, it's called the, the court of appeals, the public court of appeal or public court of, of appeals where the, the, the fans get to chime in and say, you know what? Enough is enough. Kind of like with the Texans, for whatever reason, it's not affecting the Texans, but in, in what is the Rockets and the new owner, who uh, I'm going to assume, Bob, that uh, he was going to play the same strategy you do in baseball as far as money ball. I uh, just paid $2.2 billion. Let me go with this. I'm going to get a championship. I'm going to get some of that money back, and we're going to keep what we have. You know, and, and that's not going to happen. And obviously, it didn't happen. And... Um, I think that just what, what's happening with the coaches right now is it, just a, a preview of what's going to happen in the future. We're going to see a large shakeup, which I actually asked for a shakeup at the end of last season against the um, the Warriors. I didn't believe they could win then, and I didn't believe they can win this year. I said, uh, same song, different verse, and of course, that's what it was, Bob. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand that they can't beat the Warriors, but, you know, we're, 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 the finals have just started. We don't know if anybody can beat the Warriors in four of the last five years. The only reason the Warriors lost the one year that they lost was that, uh, you know, Draymond Green was, you know, aiming his foot in the wrong place on uh, LeBron James or, you know, they, they probably win the last five years. So it's not like, you know, just because you don't win doesn't mean you don't have a really great team and you might have just run into the biggest roadblock in the history of the NBA. And, and Mike D'Antoni, look, he's averaged 58 wins over his three years. His first year as a head coach ended with Harden just you know, not showing up in that game six against the Spurs. The second year they lost in game seven to Golden State after Chris Paul gets hurt in game five. We know that story. They missed 27 straight three-point shots to close out the series. I'm sure Mike D'Antoni should have been out there shooting those shots instead of the players. The last two years, they've lost to one of the all-time greatest teams. Uh, you could say D'Antoni isn't Popovich, but if you get rid of him, Chris, you got to find somebody who is Popovich, and those guys just start w- walking around the street, or every owner would have that guy. No, they're not. And, and what they're offering right now was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, $5 million. And then uh, if if he goes to the postseason, it's it's per series, $1 million bonus per postseason. I thought that was crazy. I was like, okay. And he says, no, we're, we're not doing that, but we're going to go back to the, to the talking table and, and negotiating table sometime later this week. So – I don't see that happening just like I didn't see um, uh, uh, the Texans re-signing uh, a defensive end. And I, I, I don't believe that they're going to keep him. You're right, but who are we going to pick? Who, who are we going to choose? What, besides an assistant coach that we can make him, you know, uh, uh, a head coach, I don't, I, don't see, uh, I don't see anyone out there in the market. Do you? I mean, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, there, there, there isn't. I mean, it's look. D'Antoni's a Hall of Fame coach. There, that, that guy's just not walking around loose somewhere. And you know, Tillman Fertitta. This is the deal. You've got an owner who it, most of his businesses have been about. Hey, if this guy isn't doing his job up to my standards, I just get rid of him. I axe him. And and you know, your goal is to win an NBA championship. One person does it. If you're successful in business, you know, good. But other people are successful in business. There's other people out there that you can hire that might be able to do the job and be a success at it. But if you're a success as an NBA coach, you know, and and you measure that through an NBA championship, there's one guy. At the end of the year, every year, there's one person that does it. And, you know, I just don't look at the Rockets and go, hey, you know what the problem was this year and last year and the year before is Mike D'Antoni. I look at the problem as, hey, there's Golden State. They've got four all-stars. They got two MVPs. The Rockets have one all-star and one MVP because Chris Paul is no longer an all-star and no longer Mm -hmm. an MVP-type candidate. So, you know, in the NBA, you win with the most best players and the Rockets haven't had the most best players. And I think to blame this, on Dan Tony or this coaching staff is kind of, it's very short sighted. And I, right. I you know, I, I think Daryl Morey is there's talk that, you know, he was a big part of the decision to get rid of the assistant coaches and, you know, I, th- that's fine. But um, I, I think what you do is you leave everybody with the impression that, Hey uh, yeah, I get it that you want to go win a championship, but you went out and hired people that you say now you don't trust, even though, I mean, you basically got about as far as you could go the last couple of seasons. And as early as yesterday, uh, everything and everyone was on the table. Uh, apparently Capella, Gordon, 
and uh, even uh, CP3 as far as, you know, well, let's get uh, get rid of them. Let's get some cap money. Let's get what we need to get. I believe that if, if Fertitta had gotten that notion now, gotten that last year when he took over as the owner, I think we'd be sitting in a different place, Bob. Uh, I think that should have happened last year instead of this year. Uh, but you can't win with what you got out there. And I think he knows that. Radical, radical moves are going to be done between now and next season. That you can take that to the bank. I, I don't believe that an owner is going to just sit there and let his money get wasted. I'm going to say part of the problem. You say, well, it's uh, it's Harden. No, well, Harden, you know, he's averaging what 33, 38 points, something like that. He scored over 30, except in one game against Golden State. Uh, CP3 didn't. And they asked me early this season, Chris, well, what do you think the Rockets need? Well, I, you know, first of all, I don't think they're going to win. Uh, I think you can get a lot of the same stuff from last season. I think the Golden State's going to be there. They're going to be an obstacle. Um, very basically, if the bench doesn't uh, score and doesn't play as a team, I don't see the Rockets winning. And, of course, this season, this postseason, you saw that. You didn't see CP3 stepping up. You didn't see the bench stepping up. And it just can't be one guy. Like with LeBron James in L.A., it just can't be one guy, Bob. you got to have at least two or three other players that, like you said, are all-stars to beat a five-player team, a five player all-star team like uh, Golden State. And I think the deal was with the Chris Paul trade is you go, okay, we're going to trade for Chris Paul. We're going to get him on the cheap so we can build around him that first year. We've got to promise him a multi-year contract after that. I don't know if you had to pay him that much money. I don't know if that was like a side deal as far as, okay, Chris, we're going to guarantee. Because if you if you retract it, then Chris Paul sends out the message around the league that the Rockets are a bunch of liars. Now, the other problem is, you know, you figure Chris Paul is going to take a downturn because he's, you know, 34 or whatever. He's a, a small point guard. That, that's been the history of the NBA, but I, I don't think they felt like he was going to go off a cliff this year like they like he did. I, I thought they thought maybe they could get a couple more years like that out of Chris Paul. And I don't know if you're the Rockets, what your other option was, because you only have so much room under the cap. You know, you're paying James Harden. You pay Chris Paul. They went out there. He tried to get Jimmy Butler. It didn't happen. He tried to give up his entire draft for the next four zillion years. Daryl Morey did, and it didn't work out. And maybe if you make that Jimmy Butler deal, you, you got a really good chance to beat the Warriors at that point. But, you know, at the at the end of the day, I, I don't know, you know, you're kind of stuck in this thing of like, oh, you could say, well, I want to get rid of Clint Capella and I want to get rid of Chris Paul. But Clint Capella, his skill set around the NBA, Chris, uh, forget right. about Chris Paul's like anchor contract that nobody wants, but look at Clint Capella's skill set and what you're paying him, I mean, it, it, it's not something that a lot of teams out there are going to say, well, we want this anymore because that's not the way of the NBA anymore. I can get that guy on a cheaper deal, but he's not going to win uh, me games in the playoffs because... You're, you're not going to find another Hakeem Olajuwon. In, I mean, you're just not. Uh, and you're not going to find a, that awesome center that uh, that's going to win you and that's going to be the uh, carry the team on your shoulder kind of guy, the guy that's going to kick out you know, when he's swamped and you're going to get the three from the outside, whether it's Harden or, or anyone else. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not going to be like that. Um, so what do we do? I mean, my question was that, you know, um, okay, if we get rid of Clint Capella, we're going to get somebody better. We get rid of Gordon, are we going to get somebody better? Okay, those, those are the questions and the issues that they have to deal with, that the new owner has to deal with. They should have dealt with last season. 
But, you know, getting excited and going to the posting, I understand. But as you're saying right now, what, what, what are, what's the better uh, of the decisions this season that we can make for next season, at the end of this season, for next season? And in this, is Capella something that we need to think about? Are we going to find somebody better, like you say? Are we? Or is he worth trading? Does anybody want him? And I think you're right. I mean, uh, do we have the space? Can we create the space to get someone better? And if we do, is there someone better? Those are the questions that we have to look at. Yeah, it, it, it's it's tough. They're they're in a real trap right now with the contracts that they have. And and Chris Paul and Clickapel, you could say I want to get rid of them. It's not likely that you're going to be able to find a suitor to get rid of them. And the other part about that is, you know, you look at Eric Gordon and you say, well, you know, he's valuable, but he's a great deal for you. He's making. 12 million, I think next year, somewhere in that neighborhood. And he was your best, most consistent, I would say, playoff performer from game one of the playoffs to the end of the playoffs. He's exactly what you want in the playoffs these days. A guy that consistently hits three pointers, that plays the type of defense, and he was doing it on a cheap contract. So I don't know why you would run out and go get him unless you're going to get, you know, an MVP type player. And those guys just don't grow on trees. Nobody's going to hand you that for for Eric Gordon. So, and, and I don't hear any word that, Oh, that, that Kawhi Leonard wants to come here. Uh, I, I don't know if Jimmy Butler is better than Eric Gordon and, is, and you're not going to get him for the money. That's that, that's that much better. And I mean, that's the one guy that maybe he wants to come home, but yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're Chris, they're trapped. And the one overall thing that stands out to me that I've discussed when I'm, when I'm on uh, other radio shows and, and uh, that I've discussed since last season, see, even before LeBron James got here, was, you know, we have all this fan base here in Houston, whether it's uh, Astros or the Texans or, or, or the Rockets. And to me, I'm not going to say it's going to come down to, to the almighty dollar, but, you know, it has to be that there's not a greater market for anything that is a Houston product because I just don't see it. You know, the Astros won 2017. They won the World Series. And, Okay, and they're happy. And, you know, I, I heard about that for probably about a week in, 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 in the national news, and then that was it. The only ones making all the news was here in Houston. And I'm thinking, I said, well, you have your fans that say, well, Ron Jane's going to come here. It's going to be great. There's no, no base here. There's no business base that's going to support anything like that. No market, nothing here in Houston. You don't have that value here. So no one of that caliber is ever going to come here. So I'm I would like to ask is, is James Harden it? Are we going to get someone that is comparable to James Harden for the the gap money, the cap money that we have, or perhaps someone who's a little cheaper but plays like a big guy? I mean, that's what we have to look at. And, and is Harden the problem? You know, I know that it's Antonio's offense. I know that that's the structure around um, Harden. But could he be one of the problems? Those are some of the questions we have to look at and analyze through this offseason. Oh, I, yeah. No, I think James Harden is uh, – my personal feeling is he's absolutely a big part of the problem. And D'Antoni's offense is D'Antoni's offense because James Harden, that's the way he likes to play. I mean, I personally think that's kind of his game. He likes it uh, the way they're playing right now. And so, yeah, they're, they're sort of trapped in by James Harden. And But at the same time, James Harden at least gives you a puncher's chance every year. He's going to give yep. you 50 wins every year. He's uh, one of the five best players in the NBA, no question about that, every single year. He's he's top five MVP practically, I think, every year since 2015 so far with the, with the uh, Rockets. But let me tell you, let me interject. 
that if if and I was just telling uh, my other co-host like maybe 20 minutes ago uh, from the other station, I was saying, look, I'm I'm going to do this with Bob, and this is new to me. I've never done this before, so I'm really excited to talk about sports and what's going on with the Rockets and everything else that's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to use the analogy and 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 tell you that you're going to look at at, at the Col- at, not the Colts, the Buffalo Bills in the '80s and Jim Kelly. And that's the example I'm trying to get to you is that, okay, you got your horse there and you got what? What else do you got? Because you keep going to the playoffs, but you just can't get over that hump. Well, but, the, but there you go. That's a perfect example. The Bills, they, they, they ran into uh, most of the time, for at least a couple of those years, they ran into the Dallas Cowboys. The Bills yep. had, yeah, they got Jim Kelly. They had a great offense, but the Cowboys had one of the all-time greatest teams. They had a deep team. They had a great defense. Um, that's a big part of, of what Golden State did against the, the Rockets is defensively, they did some really nice things against the Rockets, but they were deeper. They were more talented. That's why they won. I mean, it's it, sometimes that's what matters. There's all that you can coach and coach like and that. coach all you want to, but if you got three of the best shooters that ever have played the game and you got a roster full of guys that are switchable and some of the best defensive players on the perimeter and Kevin Durant and, you know, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Iguodala, I mean, what if you're the Rockets or any team, it, it's hard to combat that. Now, now they're in the finals. They could lose in the finals. Um, Toronto is a great matchup uh, right now, as you and I are talking, it's, it's one Oh, uh, Toronto, but right now there's no Kevin Durant and they had, they had Kevin Durant for five, sixth of that series. And for most of the time that the Rockets have played golden state, um, they have no, uh, Iguodala has gotten hurt again. So without Iguodala and if Durant doesn't come back and those guys aren't a hundred percent, yeah, they're a lot more vulnerable. The Rockets, you know, they had no Iguodala the previous year, but they had Kevin Durant. The MVP was was playing, and and yeah, they lost one game this year against that group. But I'm, I'd be interested to see in a best of seven without Kevin Durant and without Iguodala, it makes them a, a lot more vulnerable. They still might have more talent because they still have right. three All Stars, and they've got an MVP to one All Star. And one MVP, that's how deep Golden State is. Even when you take away an MVP and a great defensive player, they're, they're loaded. Right, and there's something catastrophic happens to Golden State at the end of this playoff and in the offseason. You can pretty much bet they'll be in the playoffs next season. Catastrophic meaning something just really bad happens where the team splits or someone gets sold, someone gets retired. Well, Kevin Durant's gone, right? Kevin Durant's gone. But, you know, that's the only chance that folks got and and the attitude that most teams in the nba are saying are taking is like at the beginning of this season well i'm going to get the team ready to to beat the uh, golden state no 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 i think rockets is one of them um you don't get your team ready and prepared to beat just golden state you get your team ready and prepared to beat anyone that gets in your way of a playoff season and or an nba championship and and i think that's the mindset that the that the Rockets had, and that's probably the results they, they got. That when you get your mindset like that, remember one thing, Bob. Remember one thing. This is word of advice from someone who is on the outside looking in. And and I've never been in, in a bench. I've never been on the side uh, uh, NFL football game as a player or a coach. But if your number one player, which is Harden, is not better than the guys on the other side are three, four, five 
superstars, then you better have a coach that's just as good as those three or four other guys. Example, Patriots. Okay? Basically what you said, um, Golden State dissected Harden and the Rockets. And what Bill Belichick did and does is dissects your better player, your best player, so that your one best player, which is Tom Brady, has a greater chance of defeating you. And that's exactly what Golden State did. You got to have a number one superstar. You got to have a number one coach that knows what they're doing. And Tony may be it, but I at this at, at, right now we're at. You can't defeat four or five superstars. You're absolutely right. Can't can't do it. Not happening. Well, let's get to the Texans because you're like the Nostradamus. You always seem to know what they're going to do from year to year. What did you think of their off season? What is your prediction this year? I mean, that schedule. I've talked about it on this show before. It is a bear this year compared to last year. They're going to face one great quarterback after another after, you know, last year they, they didn't face hardly anybody. Right. I'm going to tell you about the Texans, Bob. I'm just, uh, if you're a fan out there and you got season tickets, uh, start selling those season tickets because it's only going to get sad. Um, I'm looking at six and nine for the Texans. What, what's, they can't be six and nine. You got to get there. They play one more game than that. Unless there's going to be a tie in there, brother. <laughs> Sorry, six and ten. My math is off a little bit this morning. Six and ten, Bob. And uh, I don't, I don't know that if you're a fan, you wanna, you wanna endure this season. Uh, kind of like with uh, the Golden State, something catastrophic on a good, on a, in a good way has to happen for the Texans. Um, yes, uh, Deshaun Jackson is there. Uh, Deshaun Watson is there, but uh, I, I think he's, he has a lot of growing up to do. Um, what I said earlier about Clowney and. He's not going to get a contract. They had all these people mad at me. I was on the radio. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know what you're saying. You know, Clowney, they're going to keep him. They're going to sign him. He's going to be. I said, look, they're not going to. He's injured. He hasn't played. He had his time in the sun against the Colts. He did not produce. He didn't. We didn't see what we had to see in, in, in a game time situation, in a money situation. And yeah, for those reasons, I said, they're not going to sign him. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to keep him. And now he's going to be franchised, and yeah, that, and that's what it is. And then I would, I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're going to try to get rid of him in the draft. But yeah, that's what they tried to do to deal him. I, I think they would. Another team would have to agree to to. They would, there would have to be a contract on the table because I don't, I don't know how it works. But like when you're in a, in a franchise situation, I don't know if it's going to be super easy to trade him. So you're saying they're going to franchise him this year, then let him go, franchise him for two years, let him go. What, what do you mean? If there's a team that wants him, I believe the Texans will get rid of him. I think they've seen enough of him. When I, when I say enough of him, I mean not enough to say, let's resign this guy. I believe he's still that superstar that we saw based everything on on maybe 2014. Well, they, they can on- franchise him for two years if they wanted to. You get two years to franchise, so they can keep him around on a franchise tag for two years. You're not going to have a cl- happy clowny. I mean, it's, it's going to be a sad clown and not a happy clowny uh, if you do. That's what you're looking at. Well, I'm not, I'm not discussing that right now because – and that's what he said uh, before he was franchised because he didn't believe that was going to happen. And, of course, I think he knew it was going to happen. That's why he said, I don't believe it's going to happen. So when you look at those things, and not, not so much the money, but I got to tell you, there was no production. I think it was an embarrassment that they went to, to – uh, and they faced the Colts and, and they just got tore up. I didn't see any resistance. Uh, I didn't see Clowney pushing – uh, more, he was more or less standing up. He was pretty much, how you say, schooled by a rookie uh, guard. Uh, I mean, things like that shouldn't happen. 
and they did. So if I'm the Texans and I'm looking at him and, and I'm looking at Gaines and I'm like, okay, this, this is Clowney. Why are we going to sign this guy? This guy can't even push this, this rookie guard. He's an all-pro guard, though. I mean, sometimes the guys come into the league and they're just great from day one. And that guy was awesome from the first day he stepped into the league. And he's an all-pro. Best, best, one of the best in the league already. Right. And, and as far as the draft, I, I, I don't know. Besides the same guy that uh, I think is a fullback that uh, is, is going to be with the, uh, the Texans, I, I don't see much of a, uh, anything that's concrete for the Texans. And maybe that, that, like I said, that fullback might bring a little cheer. He's from A&M and, you know, might, be, might bring some tickets and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that's a seventh-round draft choice. Who cares about him? What did, what did you think of the, the early picks, the, the tackles that they took? How, how they, what did you think of the entire offseason, like what they did in free agency and everything, how they, how they built the team? Basically, we got the fourth or fifth best tackle to, to, to protect Deshaun Watson. And when you look at the, the defenses of this next season, especially the, the, the new college kids that are defensive ends coming in and they're super fast, super hungry. And the guy that's going to be uh, uh, defending his backside, uh, I think this is his first, second year as, as a tackle, if I'm not mistaken, or spent two years as a quarterback and then converted into a tackle. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's Deshaun Watson going to be in a world hurt if, if this gentleman doesn't grow up real fast. That's all I can say. And uh, I don't, I didn't see too much. Uh, into this draft that's going to help them going, Bob. Um, I don't know what, what you got out of it, but just in that one draft pick, I think we should have got the uh, the uh, the first, second, and third, or fourth uh, tackles, but all, all those are gone. I think we got the fourth or fifth one, best one is what I'm saying, and we didn't get that. Um, and, of course, we know that, that the Eagles took the one that we did want, and so that didn't help us out a lot. Well, I, you say that, you don't know. I don't. I, I, I think if the Texans wanted him bad enough, they would have. They would have tried to get get him. I, th- that opportunity was obviously afforded because I'm sure they sent the word out that the, the pick was available. They, that somebody else was trading up for it. You guys interested? Because if you're a team that's you know right there and and you've got that uh, trade on the table, the obvious thing is you know the Texans are looking for a tackle. You call them up and you say, all right. Do you want that? I think the Texans just looked at it as, well, there's there's not that big a difference between that that guy and the, and this guy that we can get and we can keep the pick and we could do something. We might be able to do something with this other pick that we have that we would have to give away for it. So, you know, the Texans are gambling that, you know, Titus Howard is going to be good enough and they and they could get Max Sharping or they could get a tackle in the second round that they liked and they liked Max Sharping and most people think that that kid's going to be a solid player and then you you know you got Lonnie Johnson Jr but all of these guys you know they say they they look to be projects but to me 99% of draft choices are projects unless it's usually a top 15 or top 20 guy you mentioned the Colts guard well, that guy was the best guard you know the best offensive lineman in the draft so there's that that's an unusual situation but usually you know, draft picks are going to be projects and the the Texans are paying for all of their bad drafts because usually the guys that are maturing right now are guys from two or three drafts over. And those are the guys that are going to or two or three drafts back. And those are the ones that are going to help you down the road. So that's that's the problem. I mean, it's not Brian Gaines fault. It's what was left with him. And and and, and they're playing catch up with it now, Chris. As, as you say, in poker, that's a, the hand that was dealt to him. Um, I think they did a positive by getting Matt Khalil to step in the veteran, but I don't know how long he'll be there or if he's hurt. You know, I don't know. 
while these these young guys develop, uh, Bob, uh, that was a good move by them, I would think, to at least uh, protect uh, Watson at the beginning, at the outset of the, the season, 2019 season. Um, now, I was pretty disappointed at, at their picks. And uh, even though, I guess the best pick, 23rd pick, and other than that, I mean, um, like I said, I did my, my small write-up, I did, you know, everything else is, you know, it's, it's whatever, you know, 220 overall, uh, which is the last pick and seventh round, I mean, seventh pick. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> you, you you would know better. I mean, um, I don't think that's anything that has to deal with. There's nothing that's going to really, really change uh, the Texans season this year. And I have to go with that six and 10, as I told you, I don't think it's going to uh, get any better than it did this last year. This last season, I I, uh, I thought they'd be eleven and, and five, and, th- and that's what they were. They were eleven and five. That was great. But uh, past that, I didn't I didn't think no. Um, this season, I don't think it's going to go that great. And they could be a lot better team this year. Let's be honest, and and still have a lot worse record because the schedule, like I said, is way 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 more difficult. Chris, it's way more difficult. Way way more difficult than right. Like you say, perhaps project, um, and they do become a whole lot better. A whole lot better team, a better team than last season, and they become. What's important is, you know, are they gaining? Are they learning anything in class, as it were? Are they learning the material? Are they going to use and apply what they've learned? Is is Watson going to get better? Right, that's what we're looking at. Uh, you know, last season was it uh, three games in the season? He was making mistakes. He was overthrowing, underthrowing, throwing left, throwing wide. Uh, so, well, it's, it's the season, uh, new season jitters and. I'm like, no, he didn't look too sturdy to me. I, I didn't, I didn't like him too much. Uh, and they can be better if Fuller is healthy and QT is healthy. That's huge. If you give two, Tib two more real wide receiving weapons, they can. Th- th- this offense can be a lot better. And 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 if the offensive line just improves a little and bit. I've been in my past years because I do I do also I do English and Spanish TV sports and I do Spanish sports also, which. Majority of, of Latino Hispanics don't cover a lot of football, American football. And, and when I'm on TV and I tell them, well, it doesn't matter who you have as quarterback. You know, you can have Johnny Unitas back there. But if you don't have an offensive line that's going to protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter how many receivers you have, and it doesn't matter what quarterback you have back there. He's going to get killed. you got to have an offensive line that's going to protect and give you the time to look and throw at two or three receivers that may or may not be open. That's the important thing, Bob. And the other important thing is Deshaun's got to learn to get rid of the ball sometimes. I mean, that's you can't – he holds onto the ball way too long. I don't care how – what you look at with the offensive line stats. The, the, the sure, kid sure. Can, can get rid of the ball much quicker. Tom Brady doesn't hold the ball that long. Definitely. And, again, they said, well, all that comes with experience. I understand. But when the guy's running, there's a guy right in front of him at 10 yards open, doesn't throw the ball. He gets sacked when he should have threw the ball. Because there's no guy within 10 yards of him. Well, throw the ball. You know, um, is it maybe just instinct that he wants to run and, and, and get more yards? It could be. It could be. Does he want to carry the team on his shoulder? It could be. But I would say if I'm, I'm Deshaun Watson, RG3, memories of RG3, ain't going to do it. You're not going to last long in the league. Stop running. Uh, start finding the open guy and throw the ball. That's what I would say. So far, the baby Astros, the AAA Astros, are, are kind of holding steady with all the injuries. And, I mean, I, I, I feel like, oh, I, I'm happy about that. It's still deep in my heart I'm concerned because all of these injuries, Chris, are hamstring and back and broken ribs. They're, they're, it's not stuff 
that you just come back from real easily and it's stuff that could linger and it it still it scares me long term with this team but you you got to be happy with the way they've been able to perform without without those guys and that's mainly due to their pitching if if you look at that but uh, going back to last season uh, against the Red Sox they weren't as physically prepared for a playoff season as they were in 2017 and you saw that last year against the Red Sox and if their physical condition doesn't get any better this season, I don't know that they'll they'll make it to the postseason. You mean health, health? Correct. Physical condition or health, definitely. If if you don't if you don't get better, you won't play better. And that's what you're looking at, Bob. You're absolutely correct. They must play better than last year, and they must feel better. And if they have broken ribs and and back spasms that are chronic, it does take time for them to heal. Correa, I don't think he, he healed from uh, his back last season. I think the the rib issues and back issues that he has now are an extension of last season. Uh, believe it or not, it could be it. And I think he was lacking. Those guys, you know, even Altuve were lacking last season. They weren't they weren't one hundred percent in the postseason. You, you don't th- you don't believe the whole uh, massage story that Correa gave? <laughs> yeah, I do. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I heard of that. I was like, I almost spit out my food. I was like, what? I was like, no. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> well, he's going a long way for this thing. And 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 and, and somehow he needs to talk with Daniela and say, I'm just going to do these little video things by myself because I think, you know, that, that usually backfires. If, if you kind of put your woman out there as a shield, it, it, it doesn't typically work really well. No, it doesn't work <laughs> And when I heard that, I swear to you, Bob, I almost took my food out. And I was like, no, he didn't. Couldn't have been. No. Well, in other news also, of course, J.J. Watt is engaged to Kalili Bohani. I believe she plays for for the uh, – uh, not the hot shots – the women's uh, soccer. Yeah, the dash, at, uh, the dash. Yeah, she's yeah. We, we, yeah, we 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 know we know who she is. Uh, she's uh she's a sweetheart. She seems really cool. She's also Brian Cushing's sister-in-law. Her sister's married to Brian Cushing, so it's all in the family. It's you know Cushing and JJ are now brother-in-laws. So uh, a lot of bro stuff happening with that. The, the, the last thing I want to mention with the Astros because you know you, you, there's a well there's a couple couple more things I want to talk about is Altuve and. Correa, they're important, but George Springer, don't get it wrong how important this guy is to the lineup. Over the last three years, the Astros with George Springer have won 65% of their games. They've averaged 5.3 runs, and they've got the number one offense in the American League. That's over a three-year span with George Springer at the top of your lineup. Without George Springer, they've only won 53% of their games. They're averaging 0.6 runs less, and they're not in in, in the top 10 in offense in, in the American League. So that tells you uh, where and, and how big of a deal George Springer is. But the other thing I, I want to, the thing I want to ask you about, and to me, this is a no brainer, Chris, and tell me what what is so hard about this, this Albert Amora thing this week, just, it broke my heart watching, you know, him watching this little girl, you know, having to be run up the stands and race to an emergency room because major league baseball teams, for some reason, do not want to put nets up in front of the fans along, you know, you got to do it all along the uh, left and right field toward, to, to the foul poles practically, because I mean, look, if, if it's like the ball is going 110 miles an hour, let, let's be clear. Major league baseball players are down there in the dugout and they've got, they put nettings netting up in front of them. 
uh, uh, so so they can react, you know, so they can handle that type of deal. You can't expect anybody to handle a 110 mile an hour laser. And you can say, well, people aren't looking. It's like, come on. It, it's almost impossible to react to a major league baseball coming at you without warning out of nowhere at 110 miles per hour. And you're going to sell the seats and, and, and not say kids can't come or el- the elderly can't come. You're going to limit it th- to the age group or whatever. And, and then you got people and, and people, you're not going to get them away from their phones. You're not going to get a- away from eating or having a drink in their hand. I mean, get this done. The Astros should have come out the next morning and said, we're going to put nets up. End of story. This isn't going to happen again. And Major League Baseball, basically, I think Rob Manfred wants it to happen and is, is, has been right. kind of pushing it for it to happen, but he's leaving it up to Major League Baseball teams. And a Dodger fan, and, and she was an older woman, she died last year because of the same thing. What is this? What's the brain surgery behind this, Chris? Put the net. It doesn't matter. Bob, very basically, uh, that, that little girl and her parents, they have a legal case, one. Uh, <laughs> two. Uh, exactly what you said. You know, they make it a family environment. They promote it, market it as a family environment, and they ask you to buy their tickets, and you show up, and of course, you are with your family, and you're enjoying a professional baseball game. Enjoying, that means watching, sometimes watching your kids, sometimes grabbing a beer, sometimes getting up, sometimes looking at the scoreboard, sometimes looking at the fans. You're not 100% looking at every pitch, Bob, and that's the problem. So, I would say, yes, if that's something that, that MLB is encouraging and it has and they're selling and they base everything off the fans, why not protect the fans? And in this case, take care of that little girl. Put up what they need to put up. It's not going to change the game a lot. Yeah, it might distract the fans a little bit because there's netting. But you know what? You're going to be safe. And, and I agree with you. I, I think that's something that it should be, I'm going to say district-wide, but it's MLB-wide. It should be. Yeah, nobody nobody is bothered by the netting behind home plate. Those tickets aren't cheap. They're the most expensive tickets in the entire stadium. So if those can be the most expensive tickets in the entire stadium, who cares if there's netting around there? I go to baseball games all the time, high school and college baseball games. I sit behind home plate. I sit behind netting. It's not a big deal. You barely notice it after a while. It doesn't distract from you being able to see what's going on. Uh, there's netting now that's a little bit less visible than it used to be. I think at some point they'll probably discover some way to to make something, a substance that's almost invisible for you. But at the moment, you know, who cares? It, it, it You could still see the game fine with netting in front of you. It's not a big deal. It's not going to change the, your mind whether you're going to go to a baseball game because there's netting down the first baseline. And, oh, my God, I, now I – it, it, I have to look through netting instead. Who cares? Right. And Bob, you know, the strange and weirdest thing of everything that, that you just we just spoke about is that when you've gone and I've gone and we've covered Astros game or been there as a fan, you don't get over the PA uh, any type of warning or says, you know, you're subject to this, you're subject to that, and be careful for line drives and be careful and you might get hit. There's nothing like that over the intercom or in literature or any type of warnings. You know, there's there's no disclaimer is what I'm trying to tell you. So for the same reason that they're selling ads and they're promoting it as a family event, I believe that even even like Starbucks or whoever, I don't want to say the name, but whoever's selling coffee or selling and they're selling a hot plate or a hot uh, cup, there's a little label that says 
be careful. It is very hot. Da, 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 da. Well, I've never heard anything unless I'm mistaken. And I've just gone deaf. I've never heard anything at uh, Minute Maid where they say, well, be careful line drives. You know, you're on your own or whatever. There's a disclaimer. Or that. Have you ever heard anything, you know, like an announcement? I haven't followed this a, a ton, but I, I think there's something on the ticket that says, you know, you, you um, you're basically signing up that, you know, if a baseball, I think there's something to that effect, but I, I agree with you. I mean, you're selling, this is something you're marketing for families. You you're exactly right. I've never heard on the PA. Hey, just a heads up for everybody out there. You got a big board up there. Might as well put some kind of warning, you know, now that you've seen this happen, why, why do you got to see it happen again? Put something up there that way. Yeah, you know, the folks know, they all, we all know it, but let's just keep it on our, our, our conscience. Let's keep it on our mind that, you know, we have a small child, it might happen. You know, throw your body in front of the ball, do whatever you got to do. Dad, mom, just don't get your child hit. But in the same course, you're, you're, you're putting it in front of their eyes every game just so they're aware. It's not just a child. I mean, uh, anybody could get any, this could happen to anybody. Adult. We met, we're making it about a four year old, but it, it, like I said, it was an older woman that was killed at a Dodger game. This can happen to anybody. It's 110 mile an hour baseball coming at your head at, and somebody ducks out of the, by the way, somebody's in front of you. You, you might not see it coming because they're in front of you. You can't see they're abstracting your view. They're taller than you or whatever. They duck out of the way. Well, guess what? It's your face that gets hit because they ducked out of the way and you didn't see it coming. So this could happen to anybody. Anybody could get killed. Or, and I feel like baseball is just waiting for somebody to get killed. Well, I thought that until last year somebody did get killed and they still haven't done anything about it. It's just It just absolutely blows me away. And, and the fans have to demand something change. You got to demand it. Get on Twitter, tweet the Astros until they stop doing it. I mean, this is, to me, this is not hard. It's, this is an easy, easy fix. And it's not even that expensive of a fix. And you're a billion dollar company. Astros be proactive, man. Take the jump and delight speed. And let's get this done. You're right. You know, why, why should someone else get injured or, or killed? Um, if, if you're putting the promotions, you're making the money, you're, you're doing the marketing, you're having the fans come in, you're having the families come in. Why not? What's it going to take a, a five, 30 second ad on, on, on the on billboard, 35 second PA? I mean, come on. I mean, really, it's, it's not. And then, you know, the netting. Okay, let's do it. Let's get this done. Why not? Yes. If it's going to, if it's going to help everyone stay safe, let's do it for the betterment of baseball and Houston Astros. All right. Tell people about, the Eldorado News, where they can find you. Yes, definitely, Bob. Thank you. I primarily am in Fort Bend County. You're looking at uh, Richmond, Rosenberg, Stafford, Missouri City, Sugarland, and we do cover some of Wharton, Wharton County, uh, Wharton, Texas, El Campo, and even in the southwest, right around the Beltway, Bissonette, uh, Beechnut, and right around the Beltway, as I said. And uh, this issue, of course, I had talked to you over the phone on the private, I think it was like uh, last week. And my front page, of course, that we talked about, of course, baseball, Ted Williams. And on the front page, I had let you know we're going we're gonna to discuss a little bit about Ted Williams and what he meant to baseball and what he meant to everyone. Give the big headline, though, on that story. <laughs> okay. The big story, of course, everyone knows Ted Williams. Ted Williams, of course, he's a, a 344 lifetime average batting champion, uh, triple crown, the whole nine yards. Uh, he was on century team. Uh, he batted left, of course, John, and threw right, left fielder. 
basically, I'm writing this article front page because, of course, I am Latino Hispanic. You may or may not be able to tell, but I am. Uh, last thing we'll tell you it. Uh, I have brothers and cousins that don't look Hispanic. But uh, in this case, a little of the background of the story is uh, Ted Williams is not Anglo or Caucasian, as you would think. Uh, he was born of um, Mexican blood, and uh, he is uh, uh, Mexican-American. And a lot of it pertains to him being uh, in the Hall of Fame, you know, in the Boston Hall of Fame. And uh, some of the credit, I believe, not just personal or otherwise, but I believe that if he had come out or someone had come out at that time, then the whole color barrier, cultural and otherwise barriers in baseball and sports in general uh, would not have been there. We had to wait till the 60s with uh, Jackie Robbins. And of course, that wouldn't have existed. I think that was more, in my professional and personal opinion, Jackie Robbins was more a political uh, issue because of the times and what was going on there, that they needed something that was going to bring appeasement and peace to the nation. And I think that was what Jackie Robbins was. With uh, uh, Ted, of course, base baseball, best hitter ever. Well, let's just say, let's just point out the fact that, you know, his mother was Hispanic. His father obviously was Anglo. That's where the name Williams comes from. But he kind of downplayed the whole idea of his mother and and, and didn't mention it. And and his mother is actually from right here in Texas. She was from El Paso. And if he comes out and, and makes a big deal about the fact that he's Latino, I mean, we talk about Roberto Clemente and what, what an impact he has. And he's one of my all-time heroes. I love Roberto Clemente. But Ted Williams would be above Clemente in that Latino pecking order. The ascension of everything he's done. And what I'm writing about is that the ascension of everything he's done because of this, that would be that he is the first Latino Hispanic um, voted to the Hall of Fame and not Roberto Clemente. So... Roberto Clemente has a lot to do with it. And of course, digging in further, I found that the very, very first Latino-Hispanic, which was Colombian from Medellin, Colombia, his name was Louis Castro, 1876, Major League Baseball. He was the first. But also that is omitted in MLB history. Yeah, there's Moses Fleetwood Walker was the first uh, African-American ball player back in the 1800s. And, and he's he sort of forgotten about uh, two and, and, and got erased a little bit from the record books, but, but that's out there and there's stuff honoring him. Uh, if you, if you look hard enough into, into Moses Fleetwood Walker, but you remember the, the Negro leagues back in the thirties, the satchel pages and whatnot. That's exactly what you're talking about there. And I think, like I said, all this could have been avoided had uh, major league baseball been more open. But again, uh, some of the things that Ted Williams did in his personal life, as far as shunning away his family, his mother, and at some points, he didn't see his mother for two years and, and a half, as it were. And that's those are the things that he went not seeing his mother. And uh, some of the reports and, and videos and background videos that we've gone and I've looked over is that when he spoke to his family, which some of them not 100 percent Mexican, some of them were Navajo and uh, other Indian, Native American Indian, he would not talk to them. Uh, he would go to birthday parties, come in five, 10 minutes and leave. I mean, that's just the way it was. And there's record of him going to a ballpark or leaving the ballpark and, and just avoiding his family in period, period. And I think some of the Boston media would get on him on that. And that's why he didn't like Boston media, not necessarily because he didn't play well, Bob, 
but it was more the personal than his performances. Yeah, and and, and to be fair to Ted, to Ted Williams, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't get along with their family one side or another. There's a lot of people out there that have mixed race families and they're ashamed of one side of the family. This is an unusual, I, I just think it's worth noting because I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that when you do delve into it, it's something that's forgotten in history, but go check that article out. Uh, go check out everything. And by the way, uh, online, can, can people read this online? Are you going to have it up online as well? Sure. I have it online, hopefully by Friday. Uh, the paper will come out Tuesday, and you can go to www.myeldoradonews.com. Myeldoradonews.com. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you, Bob. Thank you very much. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh!